Three, two, one. Oh, come on, guys. This, this has been absolutely bloody dreadful. Um, look, I was meant to be doing this on the whistle report for the Americast. I promised them I'd do it this week because I was at the game. But let's just sack that off. Come on. Um, we can go back to the pub. We can hang out with the Brentford crowd for an hour, get a few more beers, and then we'll head back to Sheffield. We'll make something out of this bloody useless day. Uh, what? There's no trains back to Sheffield. Well, why? Fire fire on the line at Lugabaruga? Where the hell's that? Oh, fuck. Um, well, we need to go to the tube. Wh- which one's closest? Uh, okay. It's going where? Cockfosters. There weren't enough bars in Griffin Park to get us through the Saturday game. It's actually a Sunday game. But there may be enough beers to get us through another edition of Owl's Americas, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and as you can tell, I should be and am drinking water. Mm, It's good. It's lovely. I'm drinking out of my... uh, soda can style yeehaw dunkle glass that i picked up on my trip to tennessee but so far i've only as best i can remember drank water out of it it just sits on my desk where i do work and also record this podcast and joining me this week for said podcast is patty jones patty what are you drinking hi jeff how you doing uh, I am drinking an Elysian Dayglow IPA with a mm. fantastic tiger on it, which has got uh, lasers shooting out of its eyes. Did you finish up the last of the uh, 11 a.m. sours from Sunday? Uh, no, they're still in my fridge, uh, and they will be consigned to post-11 a.m. sours after the uh, abysmal showing they did <laughs> yeah, on Sunday. The first of our American contingent this week, as usual, in Ohio. Our Ohio owl, Evan Skilleter. Evan, what are you drinking? Howdy, Jeff. I am drinking a carrot apple ginger juice that I juiced myself in my fairly new juicer. It is cold pressed, high pressure pressed, I think is what they call it. Uh, I have but no yes, idea how you so, juice things. So. It's delicious. I've been on a, a bit of a diet and been drinking most of my meals, and uh, it's been effective. So I'm sticking with it and enjoying every second of it. And the other half of our American contingent, or I guess the third third of our American contingent, is Luke Andrews Hacken. Luke, what are you drinking? Hi, Jeff. I am. Oh, well, I was drinking the last of the bottle of Sauvignon Blanc that I've been using as a cooking wine lately, but I apparently finished that glass and forgot to refill it. So I'll have to go get more in a minute. That's fine. Well, there'll be plenty of time for that later. First off, we do a podcast to record two games to recap. The first win of the season, Sunderland in the League Cup. Normal service resumed on Sunday with a terrible, atrocious abysmal loss at Brentford. This week we will venture up to Beantown, the site of the beginning of the American Revolution, obviously very important to this podcast, and another How I Became a Wednesdayite segment. Then we have some good embargo news, our usual match previews, 
and the meetup roundup. We'll start with the good news. Wednesday, advance in the Carabao Cup with a comfortable 2-0 defeat at, or 2-0 win, sorry, getting ahead of myself, at the Stadium of Light. And they did it with youth in the squad, Patty. Yeah, I was thinking, what time we finished this game? There was uh, quite a lot of um, debuts. So obviously um, we had Alex Hunt who started. In Literal child from the... Uh, <laughs> do <laughs> not believe he is 18. No, I think he might be 12. Um, he looks so tiny, bless him. Um, Jack Lee had his debut too. I think Connor Kirby was, was his debut as well. Uh, they come on later in the second half. Um, and obviously he had uh, cameos from Matt Penny. And uh, Nielsen started too, didn't he? So it was... Um, Really, really um, great to see as far as getting blood in the youth in, which Yoss uh, has said he will uh, turn to. Um, that wasn't also where the positives ended. It was I thought it was a pretty okay game. Um, but, and I think they all did okay. Not, no one really um, uh, put too much wrong. I think Alex Hunt was probably a little bit um, out of his depth in the first half. But other than that, I think Nielsen looked good. And I think... Um, Matt Penny looks okay too. But it was the uh, more senior members of the squad that provided the scoring. A nice goal from Matthias. Performed pretty well uh, with his first real run out of the season. Can he uh, build on this momentum, Evan? I think we already know the answer to that from watching the Brentford game, but I'll tee you up anyway. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If we can play League One sides all year, I think uh, Matthias is in for a, a good season. So uh, really looking forward to seeing what, what he can do on the, the field against uh, Yeovil Town and, and Exeter and, and all those other squads. That I don't even know if they're in League away. One, to be honest. You just like saying Yeovil, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Crawley, Crawley Town. Magnum and Redbridge, that's my favorite. Mm, yes. Yes. Forest Green? You know that in Yeovil, all the uh, villagers have to greet each other by saying, yo. That's why they call it Yeovil. Now, Patty, I know that you've made up a lot of stories to make me say stupid things on this podcast, but that's not one that I'm going to fall for. All I remember about Yeovil is us conceding after being up 1-0 at home against them against 10 men. Yeah, the David Jones era. Let's not uh, reminisce about those things. <laughs> Let's not reminisce about Yeovil Town. <laughs> Let's uh, continue on with the Sunderland match and a good shift from Adam Reach, Luke. Yep, a uh, top-class performance for him. Um, thought he was probably our best player on the pitch. Um, and, yeah, uh, not much more you can say about him, really. He's a good guy. We should, uh, we should do everything we can to keep him around. As long as he can... You know, not injure himself during warm-ups. The sky's right. the limit here. Right, I forgot about that. Oh. Um, <laughs> we'll get to the Brentford game briefly. I mean, it's when you, it's a whatever. It's a two-zero win in the League Cup against a League One team. I know it's Sunderland, but it's kind of like, yeah, all right. I did not I like. Him. That's how I felt. Yeah, well. I, I feel like I should be more excited. First win of the season. Um, you know, get off the Schneid, as it were. But just kind of like it's a league cup, and you can't really get excited about beating Sunderland and then drawing Wolves at home. 
You're right. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, they are they are in the Premier League, I guess. So yeah, they are. That is a thing that has happened. I guess we won't get it picked up on TV, though, right? Probably not this time, no. Mm-hmm. Which is fine, all in all, because uh, not too excited about watching Wednesday after seeing the Brentford game, Patty. No, but you know what? I'm going to start off on a positive because the mm. first half we did okay. So, yeah, yeah. So I think Ash Baker, Ash Baker and Thornley uh, look like they've pretty much cemented that those positions now. I think um, if uh, maybe more Baker than Thornley, but still, I actually think Ash Baker is looking very good, like better than a youth guy should do. Uh, he makes Palmer look like the. Um, 45-year-old uh, veteran, uh, the way he gets up and down that wing uh, so quickly. So I've, I'm I'm positive on some people. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't get uh, much more positive after the first, say, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, so, yeah, it went down from there really pretty fast. Yeah, it wasn't a particularly eventful first half. It was like end-to-end in so much. It was like... middle third of the pitch to middle third of the pitch because neither team really seemed to have much uh, cutting edge in the box for the first uh, 45 minutes. Obviously the soft penalty given away by Hutch. Unclear if it was a penalty because it was literally on the corner of the screen in iFollow and I think that was part of the period where there was no actual commentary. So it was <laughs> No, I, I watched it back. It, I mean it took me about four watches to try and figure out yeah. if it actually was a penalty and it is a clear penalty. He just okay. basically dragged I mean, yeah. it, the, the guy going in front of me dragged him down. And that is has been the last couple of years sort of a sort of a point of emphasis on I mean normally on corner kicks, not on throws from the touchline, like even with the penalty area. I don't know why you're pulling down a player there, but you know, Hutch is Hutch. He's gonna do what he's gonna do, and uh, you know, put Wednesday behind the eight ball early on. But they had some chances. You know, a couple clear cut chances. I thought Bannon had an excellent game. Um, you know, he was very, very uh, incisive. He was the only player on the on the Wednesday side, sort of giving them any sort of dangerous balls into the box. You know, as usual, the sort of the final ball and the really everything in the final third was less clinical than you'd want, you know, given the opportunities they had. Uh, and then in the second half, you know, Joss went for it, sent off, a, you know, a central defender for an attacking player, and it completely fell apart, Evan. Yeah, so I think you're asking, the, or you, you kind of teed that up for the wrong guy, because I, I was actually stuck in a Starbucks watching on my phone for the second half. And so <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear anything. Although I mean, I don't they, think there was no there commentary was for the second here. half. So. <laughs> right. And then um, it, it was kind of tough to follow. All I know is that whatever happened in the second half was not good. Hmm. Um, and yeah, we, we definitely looked out of sorts, didn't we? People were in the wrong spots. Um, it, was, it seemed like Brentford just had like one guy would get the ball and all of a sudden turn and there's a ton of space. Like someone has just forgotten to mark him. Um, and yeah, it was just uh, kind of embarrassing to be honest with you. And it, it made it incredibly boring. I, I can't believe they didn't score more goals. Um, 
So, you know, maybe some credit to our defense and our, our goalkeeping for... Mostly the for, goalkeeping. <laughs> well, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just... Despite... Um, excuse me. Besides them having the ball a lot, when we got it, we didn't do anything. It was... It, it just was very incredibly much a, boring. Uh, very much like a sort of a late period Carlos performance where there was just no urgency, even one behind. You know, the formation shift, I think, kind of like isolated Forestieri on the wing, which has never been sort of his both preferred or most effective position. And I thought he had a pretty good first half. And like, if you need a guy to get you back in, you really got to kind of emphasize sort of the Forestieri and Bannon interplay. They didn't do that. You know, meanwhile, Brentford just sort of was able to pass the ball at will, you know, over whelmed Wednesday in midfield had their way down the left side as they wanted it and eventually just got like an absolute like joke of a second bowl and it easily could have been five or six without some some excellent saves from Dawson and Luke I think the problem here is you know Tom Lee's just is I don't know if he's doing his ode now that he's captain to like late period Glenn Leuven's but it's not pretty no, it's not. It's it's very it's very sad to see because he when he came here from Leeds, he we had such high hopes for him being the player that would, you know, solidify that back line for a long, long time and it I I mean, I don't I don't think he's a bad player. I know he's a good player. I know he's capable of, of playing center back quite well. I think maybe there's something about the switch to the back 3, maybe there's something about the players he's paired with. Maybe it's the wing backs or the the style that the wing backs are given, or maybe he just isn't getting some part of Joss's plan. Um, it's I don't know. Watching watching the parts of the game that I was able to watch, it clearly seemed like a team with a plan playing against a team kind of that didn't have a plan anymore, and that's that's a little surprising considering what we what we know about the manager and and where he came from and how he works. So. Yeah, it's a little disappointing, but you know, hopefully he can bounce back, and hopefully he can maybe have a, a sen- um, steady, steady pair of hands next to him next time out. It just seems like Joss is rolling the dice, doesn't it? I mean, you say we didn't have a plan; we almost had too many plans. I think we had like four formation changes through that game against Brentford, and every single throw of the dice just caused more chaos. Uh, no one seemed to know what they were doing, uh, especially in defence. Um, and it just didn't look good. Um, like I say, Tom Lees just looks lost in that back three. And as soon as Hutch got taken out at half time, that's when it went really, really poor. It was just uh, no one in their positions, no one really trying, other than Bannon, like I said earlier on. And uh, the worst culprit for that was uh, Ati Nuihu, um, which it was kind of a. Performance for the ages, really, in uh, as his uh, book, because it was what everything that his haters hate about him was encapsulated in this performance on Brentford on Sunday. Because he just didn't move for large periods of the game. He just didn't move. And when he tried to move, he looked like he was stuck in quicksand. Uh, he couldn't jump. It didn't seem like he wanted to get involved. I was amazed this was his two hundredth appearance for the club. It sounded like it was like his first because he just didn't seem to know what was going on. Uh, it's just absolute embarrassment uh, on, on Sunday, I'm afraid, and he needs to do a lot better to keep his place. Maybe the occasion got to him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't look fit, is what... I don't know if he is or isn't, but he didn't look fit. Well, how can you have the most intense fitness regime for the last four <laughs> years and be the, be less fit? <laughs> also, after having a, uh, a week off, because 
It's a spend yeah, second yeah. yellow. <laughs> and that was a stupid sending off too. So is he yeah. just, uh, what on earth has happened to him? I don't know. It's just, I, it's... I'm afraid. I'm afraid that he's gotten his contract. Yeah. I don't and think that, it's that. Then I, uh, well, let's not, let's not discredit that too much because just look, look at him out there. He's not jumping to win balls, and that's not. I just mean, that's never from been Saturday. his game. <laughs> but he's won. He's won balls like that. That was a huge part of his game toward the end of last year, when everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, we have to sign him up, sign him up, sign him up." And he's not doing that. He's not creating. He's not chasing balls down. Um, he doesn't look like he wants to to make runs. Or you know, last year it seemed like he would get the ball at his feet and surprise everyone with uh, just these this fantastic footwork and this year we haven't seen that at all it just seems like he is a little more content he's not playing with a purpose um you know you you can speak you can say no it's not content at at all but i mean prove it like show me something that says it's not i mean i will (laughs) say that this is not to defend the performance which was abysmal but he was very much isolated forestieri was dropping deep early on and they were getting overrun in midfield. He wasn't really sort of being able to get the ball in his preferred position. But really, I mean, just they never looked like scoring. Bannon created a couple nights chances, you know, one on the through ball to Matthias. There was a ball over the top to Baker that he couldn't quite get out from his feet in time. And that's just, you know, where are the goals going to come from? I was shocked that New Hugh stayed on for the full 90 minutes based on that performance and given the fact that you know both Preston and Fletcher came on later in the game but I think Patty's right there was just no real plan like they kind of switched to a 4-3-3 but there wasn't any more sort of urgency in the performance I just like I don't know how much you can blame that on Joss like these are professional football players they should you know they know what the situation is, both within the game and within the season so far. There was just no... I mean, look, there's there's no pace in the squad, which is sort of the more overarching problem. But there's you know there's pace and then there's urgency, and they had neither. But I'm, not, I'm not blaming... So I'm not blaming it all on Joss, but I think the amount of changes and the amount of changes of formation that we did on Sunday did not help the players know their roles. Um I think the players did not start well at first, and I think taking Hutch out was a bad decision by Joss. Um, so I think on Sunday, he, he was at fault more than uh, he is at fault for the entire season so far. I, I think um, the players are not playing as well as they should be, definitely not. But for, for me, to come into a season and not know your best 11, that is straight at the coach's feet. You need to know who's going to be playing where, and those players need to know their roles too. At the moment, we're just seeing like there's been no preseason at all. It's like we've got 10 new signings in the team. And we, and obviously we, we haven't because we can't make any signings. <laughs> uh, but it's just like no one knows what they're doing. Why does that? Why is that not a thing? It's supposed to be an organiser. It's supposed to be disciplined. It's, it's just like chaos. It's, it's more chaotic than Carlos. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we've been playing the three-five-two for the better part of you know, nine months, it's, it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a surprise. It's the same players in in roughly the same positions for the most part, the squads, you know, mostly healthy outside of, you know, Lee Hooper and Abdi. And I think we knew coming into the season, those three wouldn't really be uh, available from the, from the get go. It's just, there's no, 
it was just you know you say it was just a flat performance this was not a flat performance this was they got completely blown off the pitch and it easily could have been you know literally seven or eight goals without sort of the a combination of mostly you know Cameron Dawson's goalkeeping and some of Brent Burgess not being as clinical as they could be probably because they were <laughs> perhaps they were surprised to be in consistently great scoring positions every five minutes in the second half and didn't know what to do with it I don't have a good explanation I don't think any of us do no I have um, maybe it's uh yeah so maybe maybe someday when someone writes a tell-all book we get mm. the uh we get the full story but I I don't think we're gonna learn much yeah. Well, 43 more of these to go, so I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Honestly, though, I think Brentford's a, a pretty good side. Sure, uh, sure. And they play they play really well at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, yeah. that's you know, look back at last season to, to, to see more, more proof of that. So, you know, it's a tough loss. It's been a tough start to the season. And I think it just it's too bad that, that we've played so poorly because I truly don't think – that we should have won that game, even if we were both playing the best we can. Um, and so I, I don't think it's a, the worst loss in the world, world to, to go on the road, lose at Brentford. Um, just obviously we, we have to change a few things and, and show a little more, more effort, but Brentford's good. Let's not all freak out quite yet. Like uh, I mean, many people are. And uh, let's just let's see what happens going forward. I guess if they had played the second half, like they played the first half and Brentford got a second while Wednesday were, we're chasing an equalizer. You just sort of be like, okay, and move on. But they just looked so lost in the second half. It was utterly atrocious. Like, you know, really outside of Dawson and Bannon and Baker, like that was a lot of like three and four out of ten performances up and down the squad, and that's a that's a problem. And this is like, this is like, there's no changes coming in, but maybe there are, perhaps now. But before we get to that, take a break, we come back, head, we are shipping up to Boston on the Owls Americast to find out how our Boston Owl became a Wednesdayite. And we are back with our regular How Did You Become a Wednesdayite interview, this time with Justin DeSorger in Boston. Justin, welcome to the show, and how did you become a Wednesdayite? Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, so I actually became a Wednesdayite around, I want to say, like 92, 93, when Fox Sports World, which later became Fox Sports Soccer, uh, first came out, I had a, a buddy of mine that I played played soccer with in high school, uh, whose dad was from Liverpool. He was an expat, and a couple twins who lived down the street from me were good buddies with him. And they got Fox Sports World, so they suggested we all get together on Saturday mornings and go and watch. And they said everybody should pick a team. So Adam picked Liverpool because his dad was from Liverpool, and I I can't remember who the twins picked, but I, it was definitely like. One picked Man United and the other picked Arsenal or, you know, whoever else was, was pretty big at that time. And I said to them, honestly, guys, I don't know a thing about 
the Premier League or British football, uh, what is there any American playing? And he kind of perked up and said, oh, there's one. It's John Harkes. I said, okay, well, who the hell does John Harkes play for? And, uh, yeah, what are we talking now? 20 years later, uh, we're sitting in the relegation zone of the championship. So, that's uh, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's how that happened. And, and I'm, I guess, by nature, kind of a loyal person. So, um, although I won't lie, I, I tried to ditch them for Everton in the mid-2000s when we went back to League One and it again became impossible to follow the team at all. Um, but that didn't work. I couldn't give two craps about Everton and still, you know, did things like wait till the Sunday Boston Globe to come out so I could look in the scoreboard section and see how the weekend's games were. Um so it's been a lot nicer since Twitter came out and uh, certainly since iFollow came out. That's awesome. Did you follow the U.S. national team then, Justin, before um, going to like, the Premier League stuff? Uh, you know, not really. Like, I was aware that the 90 World Cup that the U.S. had qualified for, it, but wasn't really paying attention. And then in 94, everybody had an idea what was going on, but I, I certainly wasn't a, a soccer nut. Like I, I played growing up, I was pretty good, you know, played some fairly competitive soccer in high school, but you know, we all watched the 94 World Cup. And then, you know, around that time, I was still, you know, kind of an every four years type of guy, um, aside from, you know, trying to catch the occasional Wednesday game. And, and even that faded pretty quickly. Um, you know, from a perspective of, of they just weren't on all the time. It wasn't really an opportunity to follow them. And then certainly after 99, it was in the woods. So when did you, was it like love at first sight with Wednesday? I know you chose them through John Harkes, but was it something you just kind of like a passing thing to watch with your friends around again? Or was it something like very later on when we were starting to get on the TV a bit more, you could have more access to content? Uh, when did it really kind of kick in for you that you're a proper Wednesday fan? No, and that's, you know, that's a great question because, like I said, I, I, you know, I even back, you know, in the 90s, I, I would catch a game or two. I, I didn't see much. I didn't see any of the the 93 FA Cup. Um, unfortunately, that would have been delightful to, to watch that semifinal. Um, but so I, I kind of missed all that. And, and it was the team that I followed and I looked for them, but it was it was very abstract. And, and I think, honestly... One of the first times I remember it being super concrete is I was sitting, was probably that 2012 in that Megson's last game. I remember sitting in my condo in Somerville, listening to the game, streaming it on the BBC and literally kind of shocked by the tears that burst out of my face (laughs) when Chris O'Grady scored and whoever was doing play by play then just going bananas and I couldn't believe how excited I was um, and and that was really it was around 2010 that I started to get back into soccer quite a bit and you know unfortunately Wednesday was tough to find um, I remember going to a bar and watching us get crushed by Birmingham in a FA Cup where somehow we made it far enough to actually get put on the television but it was not pretty. So it was around that time, and then with Twitter coming in, I, you know, we used to watch Twitter. We'd watch the feed of like, 
you know, like why should the text of a game come up? So it's come a long way even since then. And that was only, you know, eight years ago or so. So just, just so I have the uh, image in my head, where in, where in Somerville were you? Uh, a little bit outside of Davis Square, the backside oh, okay. of what would be called Ball Square. Okay. Uh, I have, we owned a condo there for a while. I have some family friends who live on Irving Place, so I can picture that. Yeah, fairly that, close. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm picturing you like in your car, maybe near, oh, what is it? It's not Steve's Ice Cream anymore. Um, I mean, this might be chasing down the rabbit hole of Somerville <laughs> landmarks. There's a lot of them, and they, they do turn over. That city's come a long way. It's very different from when I, I first started hanging out there. Uh, when I left college, I had some friends that lived there, and it's come a long way from Slummerville. I mean, to the <laughs> point where we had to flee. I mean, I couldn't couldn't afford to buy a house, you know. So, so now that you're uh, now that you're out out of town a bit, how's the how's your match day routine? Is it um, like you and the family? Is it you and some friends? You no, know, it's a solo affair. We we moved down to the Cape a couple years ago, and it's it's lovely down here. It's it's kind of slow going with the social scene, which is. A- also effective when you have a three-year-old and a five-year-old at home. But uh, no, my match day routine is usually, uh, I always try to wear either a home or road jersey, depending on where the team is. And I've got a couple of each. So if it's going bad at halftime, I can switch up. Um, But I'll usually, uh, you know, get up in the morning, have some coffee, get the kids some breakfast, and then, uh, you know, don the shirt. If if either the kids are in the mood, I'll slap their shirts on them and... uh, hook the uh, hook the computer up to the TV or if you know people are doing stuff and it's kind of busy around the house I'll just throw it on the iPad and uh, you know, I try to not get too obnoxiously involved in the game <laughs> <laughs> do you scare your so kids let's, let's... Sorry, I've, got the one, I've got some friends of uh, kids with the, with the Wednesday fans and uh, a lot of them just tend to get really scared at their father being so angry all the time on Saturday mornings yeah, right, <laughs> especially the last couple of years. Uh, no, I, so without going too into it, I, I coached uh, hockey for a long time at a fairly competitive level, some good high school hockey. And it really changed the way that much of my fandom operated and, and the way that I view things in that I knew how things were inside a locker room and how things were around a team. And if you weren't in that locker room, there's a lot of stuff that was missed so I, I tend to be a lot more uh, sort of introspective and calm about things. Uh, I made a mistake in one on Owl's Talk the other day uh, and ended up. <laughs> they're, totally, all, they're also yeah. introspective and calm over there, Justin. They're such a wonderful oh, people. Oh, my God. Uh, no, and, you know, I feel bad. I, I gave some guy some serious stick, and he just responded with, a, like, a sad face. And I was like, it's not personal. I just, I can't. We're three games in, and if we had beaten Hull, which we should have, uh, nobody's saying a damn thing. Uh, this has not been enjoyable football to watch, but it's not, you know, the, the, the sky is not falling yet. And, and I've seen enough already of this season to know there are at least three teams far worse than us. <laughs> so, you know, I, like I said, I tend to be fairly calm and introspective about it uh, with the obvious uh, Derby Day caveat. I sit in my room by myself last year for both of those games. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the, the Boston sports scene. Obviously we're, we're interested in the soccer aspect, especially, um, 
you know, you mentioned you're a hockey guy. Does that mean you, you're a Bruins guy and you're a Reds I, fan? I, how, how, how are things for you in, in Boston? Um, so my, you know, personally, my sports fandom has changed a little bit. I don't, I don't do the NFL uh, for a lot of reasons. I, I quit that quite some time ago. Um, I, I love the hockey. Um, I'm a huge baseball fan, but not really a Red Sox fan. Their ownership has kind of turned me off a little bit. Um, but and the Revs are a fascinating story, and, and I think could, you know, really be talked about a lot. They're they're a flipping disaster. Um, it's it's an embarrassment the way that they're operated and the way the Kraft family treats them. Um, and it sucks because I'd love to take my family to see it. I'd love to have a, a local club, that the closest club to me. And yet, uh, it's just not even worth pretending to get involved with them. So. Um, I mean, obviously, overall, being a Boston sports fan for the last 15 years has been pretty sweet. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I do tend to be a, uh, a Bruins fan and a, a Wednesday fan and everything else. I, I just kind of enjoy the sport without, uh, you know, getting too insane with my fandom or fanatic with it, you know. Well, the, the good news is that the Revs are not the worst run franchise in MLS because the Kraft family is not threatening to move them to another city. So, so good for you. It's, it's true. It's true. No, that, and I apologize for, uh, forgetting that. Although, uh, I, I almost think it'd be better if they did just move them away and let somebody else start over. But yeah. again, I haven't been, I haven't been invested in the revs. So, and, and I don't think I will be until there's major changes, but so yeah, most of my most of my footy is uh, via the television, which is unfortunate because it's such a great game live. Yeah, absolutely. Will the Revs ever get a stadium, or is that just more like an elaborate ruse by by Kraft? And his yeah, no. I mean, we're I I the deal is that the Krafts have a stadium at which they own all of the concessions involved with it. So if eight people show up. To a Rebs game, they make money pretty much, and that's what's been going on. They have no interest. They've had Mike Burns. Poor Mike Burns has been the who was a great U.S. soccer soldier. He's been the GM for forty-five years and has has done nothing except repeat the same mistakes year after year. It's the only team that won't spend money on uh, oh, whatever they're called, like the you know the tagged players or whatever. They had Jermaine Jones for about a year and a half that's been about it it's just it's honestly it's i it's actually more depressing than than what being a wednesday fan is right now so i'm glad i'm not involved with the revs that's that's yeah. a strong statement uh it's no joke it's no joke and, and I, just go ahead go ahead well i was just going to give listeners a, the background basically robert Kraft also owns the new england patriots and you can guess which team in, in, in New England is, is more important and uh, gets, gets all the attention. And so, um, you know, fans would love a new stadium, but, but Robert Kraft is kind of, um, I don't know, he, he's, got, he's got the revs by, by the leash, and uh, it's kind of tough. And that's, that's just the background on that. Uh, when we talk about Robert Kraft and, and the stadium, you know, the revs are still playing in the – the Patriots Stadium. So football. Are they the Are they the last Are they the last team in a, a non soccer specific stadium? No, Seattle. Uh, okay. Seattle, so Seattle isn't actually owned by the Seahawks ownership group anymore, but they still play at um. What is it now? Pepco Park? No. 
CenturyLink. Uh, uh, CenturyLink, yeah. CenturyLink, yeah. But that's to, com- to compare what the way that the Sounders in Seattle embraces soccer versus New England is is completely right. different, you know. Right. Yeah. And then and then we have like Atlanta playing in the brand new Mercedes Benz and yeah. I mean there are a few. But yeah, no, it's uh, we can go to Zoom, so right. Yeah, like I said, it is unfortunate because when when you see live soccer, it's you know a, a hockey's kind of the same way, but you, you just really can't take the whole thing in on television. And when you see it live, and you get the expansive field, and you see the movement, and and really get a feel for the flow of the game, it's uh, it, it changes the way you watch the sport. As long as it's not in a baseball stadium. shots fired I would think okay thanks a lot Justin Uh, we have this new regular thing we want to do with all our fans we got onto the podcast so the the new question we have for all our fans is try and get a kind of like uh, touristy guide almost uh, for people visiting uh, the the local areas that you guys live in Uh, we want to basically get your favourite bar uh, in your local vicinity whether that be in Boston or in Falmouth where you live, uh, and also what the favorite local beer is of yourself. Uh, what's how would you say that? Cool. Uh, well, so there's I mean there's a couple spots down in Falmouth I like, though I'm new to here. But if I may uh, talk about uh, the Phoenix Landing in Cambridge, because uh, we are having a uh, Boston New England Owls meet up there in a couple weeks. That. It would be good to pimp here. Uh, the the Phoenix Landing is a bar in Central Square in Cambridge that has been playing soccer matches for as long as I can remember. And I first lived in the area in the early 2000s, and they were going strong then. Uh, great bar. It, it's a Liverpool bar when Liverpool's there, uh, but they are very open to anything and and that was the spot when i lived in cambridge that i would always uh bounce around the corner when those rare times where wednesday was a sky sports game before you could really stream stuff i'd head over there the owner is wonderful and uh very supportive of all clubs that come through there so i I think if anybody's in the boston area and knows they want to catch some footy the phoenix landing in cambridge is the place to go um, and then as far as a favorite beer, um, they've got a bunch of breweries down Cape Cod now, but I'll say uh, uh, Devil's Purse beer is uh, uh, very good. It's out of Dennis, Mass., which is a little further up the Cape from me. And uh, if you see anything by them, they're uh, always worth getting. Cool. And that leads us nicely on to our last point, which is very exciting for us. It's the main aim of the Owls Americas. It's uh, the inaugural Boston meetup, Justin, that you're um, think of applying for the Reading game on the 1st of September. So uh, how's that going? Um, have you got any confirmations yet? Yeah, so uh, I, I heard from Mike in New Hampshire, and I know there's a couple other New Hampshire Owls. Um, I believe there's uh, Mark and Ashan who have, have looked in it on Facebook, but I haven't heard from them. And I know there's a Mark out in Ashland, Mass., which is a, a Boston suburb, who I've reached out and made contact with. So I'm hoping we can get, you know, four or five people in there to start. Um, I said I talked to the owner of the Phoenix Landing, and he couldn't have been 
more gracious. He was he was actually very excited to hear that you know that we were Wednesday fans. He said he he'd always liked them and uh, you know had kept an eye on them over the years. So was was hoping to do them. And uh, I'm pretty excited. I have a, a good friend of mine from college who's uh, a Reading fan who has recently moved back to Massachusetts <coughs> and has confirmed that he will be there too. So. He will be the lone uh, New England uh, Royal, or whatever they would call themselves, <laughs> um, attended the event. But so, you know, right now we're sitting on, on a couple of us, and if we could get a few more, it'd be nice. Um, we're, we're pretty spread out in New England, it looks like, but uh, I'm hopeful to, you know, just try to make this at least a semi-regular thing. And then, um, you know, I, I certainly think our New Hampshire folks should... Um, you know, maybe we can put together something up there that's a little closer to them, and I'll suck it up and, and tack another hour onto my drive to make it happen. No, I really appreciate that. Just honestly, it's a really great initiative. Uh, I've been looking for a while. I think Boston was one of the places that we've uh, uh, kind of pinpointed as a hotbed of Wednesday fans, and I'm really th- thankful for you guys for um, putting this together. So if you're in the Boston area on the 1st of September, go down to the Phoenix Landing, meet with Justin and the rest of the guys, and uh, cheer on Wednesday uh, versus Rennie. And that's all I think we have time for today. Um, so thanks so much for your time, Justin. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Justin. That's it. And when we get back, we will have some Sheffield Wednesday news. There will not be dispatches from American soccer this week because Luke has unilaterally declared we're not allowed to talk about David Moyes on the podcast. <laughs> Thank, thanks. That's This is true. I mean, it's fair enough. I didn't think we'd ever be talking about David Moyes on the podcast, but here we are. Instead, I mean, not talking about David Moyes on the podcast, so fair enough. Instead, we will move on to the Wednesday news for the week. And uh, after James and James and Peter did a very informative podcast on the ffp and embargo situation it turns out guys there's no embargo why was all the panic about eh we're having embargo so all many was... loans we can bring in, <laughs> so debt loans and bring in all, all the loans and like the next what three days 40 oh sure. no 10 days yeah it's 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 uh 28th or something oh okay if we've not got a list you know, like, you can build, like, a short list and say championship manager. If we've got, a, mm. like, a short list of tra- transfer targets that we just need to hit send on, mm. I'll be very upset if we wait until the last day of the loan window to make some signings. Sure, we've got a, <laughs> sure we've got a list to just be like, send! We're now, we can sign players again. Buy All everyone right. we want. All right, Patty, since you're, uh, since you're shipping in an entire new 11, where would you start? What's your key position? <laughs> uh, fullbacks. Yeah. Left. Left back first. Baker seems to be better than uh, Liam Palmer. I'm, I'm happy to stick with him if we have to. But uh, left back, number one. Um, centre half, number two. Uh, I would get a right back as well just to make sure we've got cover for Baker. Um, and then a central midfielder. I think there's four at least signings we need to make. What's your first target, so, Evan? Uh, I'm I'm just gonna say center back is more important to me right now. Um, I think we look pretty unorganized back there, and it'd be nice to have someone that uh, knows what they're doing. Uh, but then left back, uh, I think I'm the same as Patty. Past that, left back second. Um, 
I, I like Baker, and so I might, if there's a, a decent central midfielder and we're between one of those and, and a right back, I'd probably rather go central mid uh, first, but uh, I'd be okay with a, a right back coming in as well. Luke, do you have a hot take here? Or are you sort of falling in line with fullback, center half? No, I'm 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 team chaos, so I say goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, <we know. laughs> <sighs> oh boy! It's I actually think idea uh, of, uh, Luke's predictions. You should go back to the first uh, episode of this season, see what I predicted to be going up and down this year. <laughs> no, a, a Brentford fan already pulled me up on it already on Twitter. And I was like, do you not do you not understand what my role is here? <laughs> Hashtag team chaos. Hashtag uh, team chaos, exactly. I'm gonna emphasize a position that's already been mentioned, but I think might actually need to be a top priority. And if they are going to play Hutch as a center back in a back three, I think we desperately need like a a big strong sort of defensive midfielder, someone that's like Pelopesi, especially like in the Brentford game, just looked completely out of his depth. I think one of the main reasons they were getting overwhelmed in midfield, like, yeah, he can make, like, the precise short pass back to one of the center halves, but he doesn't offer much going forward. He doesn't really break up play as much as you like, and I think one of the reasons Brentford would be able to so, were able to be so dominant in possession at times was just there was nothing, there was no steal in the midfield with, you know, between reach going off early and, uh, you know, Pelopesi having I mean, take on sort of a bigger role in that midfield. And it's, you know, it's a position that, that really we've been calling out for since the the Hull Wembley game. You know, you need like the Tom Huddleston type, and they've never really had it. So I would emphasize that first. You know, I might even, uh, <laughs> as funny as it is to say, because we have about seven of them on contract right now, they might need another striker. You think we could? Uh, you think we could get George Hurst on loan? <laughs> and I know it's. I get. I know it's crazy to say, but you know, Winnell's going to be out for probably at least a couple more months. Um, Hooper, who knows? Fletcher hasn't really looked like the long-term solution. You know, knew he had rocks in his pants on Sunday. You know, Forestieri is not really a true number nine. Jordan Rhodes is on loan. Have I covered them all? Wow. And Joao's hurt, so... Did you say Matthias? Yeah, Matthias <laughs> isn't really a true striker. Well, that's where he plays. Yeah. I, I mean, Ross Wallace played striker play. last year, so... And Nielsen as well? Uh, he plays Nielsen, yeah. <laughs> um, I do think we all raid just as many loans as you can get. Just, like, raid every lower-tier Premier League team that has a settled squad, and they might start with... U.S. International, Carter Vickers, Luke. I feel like you're our U.S. men's national team correspondent here. So what can you tell us about? uh... Cameron Carter Vickers. Yes, Yes. he was on loan. I think he was on loan for maybe half season at United last year, maybe somewhere else before that. Uh, He's on the books at Tottenham. He, I think, played in the one of the pre-World Cup friendlies that the U.S. did. Um, I think he at least came on for some minutes there. He's, you know, tall. I bel- I, from what I remember seeing, pretty skillful with the ball. If he isn't going to be needed at Tottenham, I would gladly take him as a as a loanee for us for the year. I mean, despite his relationship to the other team across town. Um, I'm sure Patrick has some 
strong feelings about that, but I'll let him speak on that. Patrick, do you have any strong feelings about that? About Carmen Kaiwe? Because yeah, well, just, we... <laughs> just players, players from across town coming. I, I mean, for half a season, it's not like he's played played there all his life. I'm fine with that. Honestly, I think we it'd be a great signing. Uh, he's he's quite quick, right? He's a quick fullback with the good experience, and he's young. It's exactly what we should be signing. Uh, I actually think there's a couple of Fulham players we could be signing too. My, my friend's a Fulham fan. He was talking about Kalas, centre half. Uh, he's not playing for them at the moment. He was great last season for them. That Matt Target, I think he's a left back. We should get him too. I mean, just everyone that was doing well in the Championship is now in the Premier League team that's not playing regular games. Get them in our side. Seems like a reasonable. I, I like Cameron Carter Vickers, by the way. He's uh, He's played. I think he has, if I recall, he's probably played in a handful of, of uh, United States men's national team matches. Like, I'd say five, if I had to guess. Um, Find out. And yeah, he... What's that? that? the thing that can be looked up. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> Very easily. Um, Four, yeah, for he, the record. He made, the, his, uh... he made his debut last November, I think, um, when we played against... Or do you have it pulled up Wik- or on Wikipedia or something? I do have it pulled up on Wikipedia. He made his debut on November the 6th, 2016. Six. First, first call-up, sorry. He made his debut as a substitute against Portugal in a friendly uh, in 2017. Yeah, right. So he hasn't been playing that long, but no. um, he's good. He, he's he's quick. Like Patty said, he, he'd give us some pace that, that we've uh, desperately needed. So uh, it'd, be, it'd be great to have him. I know there are three teams after him right now, um, and it sounds like we were like, we were third on the uh, the trio of, of tra- championship clubs. I know one um, of them was Ipswich, where he's been on loan before. So, yeah, that stinks. That was his last uh, his last loan stint was was Ipswich. Um, past that, I'm not not sure. It's us and Ipswich, and probably somewhere else. Swansea, maybe. But the good news yeah, is we can, hope they can yeah. get. The good news is we can actually talk about possibly getting new players in the squad now. Very yeah. exciting. Better be sooner rather than later as well. It better well, be because well, there are two matches this week. week. <laughs> Both at Hillsborough. We start with a midweek clash against our lovely friends from Millwall. Yeah, Millwall are a strange team this season. They've uh, they haven't lost yet. If you recall, last year they went on a really long unbeaten run in the middle of the year. Um, they drew 2-2 with Middlesbrough to start the season, 0-0 with, with Blackburn. Uh, they won on penalties in their cup match against uh, Gillingham. Is that how you say it? Gillingham? Gillingham? Um, <laughs> please, please, Gillingham. <laughs> yeah, <first> time. <laughs> and then uh, they, just beat, they just beat Derby. 2-1, so it was their first win. So they've got five points. Uh, but the thing that makes them strange is that they've, they've only scored four goals. Uh, two of those goals have been from defenders. And they're passing... I was reading this on, on whoscored.com. Their um, average possession is 41%, which is not good. And their pass accuracy is 56.6%. So to put that in perspective on, on how bad that actually is... Um, we have a 77% passing accuracy um, percentage and whatever, 77 passing accuracy percentage. And QPR, who is probably the worst team in the championship right now, has a 70%. So 
So Millwall cannot pass the, the soccer ball. Okay, they are bad um, as far as offense goes. Good defense, but uh, not great on offense. So it would be kind of a weird match because we can't. What? I'm just amazed we've got 70% passing accuracy with Joe Palapeski in the team. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, Pat, he's very good at making the short, precise pass back to like Tom Lees or Daniel Podio. Right. He's he's basically the new Darren Potter, Joe Palapeski, but actually a little bit worse. But I guess, so So to put this in perspective, um, it should give you a little bit of hope because if they are only averaging 41% possession, and I believe, yeah, that includes all their championship matches, so including Blackburn. Um, if that's the case, then we're going to have some of the ball and maybe have some chances to score, which could be fun to, to see. So get excited for tomorrow or <laughs> today, I guess. Is that your American kind of uh, pre-match call to action? Mm. Yeah. Tomorrow in the English yeah. Football League. The <laughs> <laughs> <Football> Lions. <laughs> Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Then on Saturday, stick around Hillsborough for a clash with another struggling team near the foot of the table. One Ipswich Town. So, interestingly enough, uh, Ipswich and Wednesday right now have the same exact goal scored and goals allowed and thus goal differential. Though Ipswich is on one more point. They've gotten two points from their first four games. I will be honest, I, in sort of preparing this segment, which was apparently my assignment, this is like, I don't recognize almost any of the names on this team other than like Luke Chambers. It seems like a very anonymous, uh, you know, championship side for a team that, you know, as they do most years, have at least some uh, designs on at least the playoffs. Nah, nah, they haven't. I mean, they've been annoying us for like, what, yeah. 12 years now? I mean, Mick McCarthy was there for forever. Always just about achieve mid-table mediocrity. They're just the boringest team in the world. And for me, they're one of the ones, one of the favorites to go down. Uh, and... They've been they've been signing anonymous players for years uh, under McCarthy because that's all they have to go by. They're one of, one of these teams that uh, stick within their means. I mean, how boring is that? They don't have transfer embargoes and playoff <laughs> runs or anything like that. They just always stay the same. It's like people that said that the Brentford model is a good model to follow. No, it's not. It's boring. Who wants to just buy cheap players and sell them on three years later for profit and stay in mid-table the entire time? Nobody. Nobody. It's boring. I'd rather go shit or bust, go to playoff final, losing the a playoff final, and then being transfer embargo for three years afterwards. <laughs> and that is hashtag Team Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a uh, they do have a Sheffield native as manager now, though, in one uh, Paul Hurst. Oh, is that, is that the X Rotherham guy? Yes. Most mm-hmm. recently, manager of Shrewsbury Town. God, I'll see, even their manager would <laughs> Shrewsbury. Just, yes. mate, I want everyone to take a stock of uh, Sheffield Wednesday fandom. Just be appreciative that you're not an Ipswich fan with Paul Hurst as your manager and zero ambition ever. Just, it feels nice, doesn't it? It's not as bad as we thought. I, I swear I read that they were like the only team that's been in the championship concurrently for like the past 17 years. Like every other team has either come up or come down or 
gone down and then come back up. Like they they've just been there. That sounds. I dull. think it was them. That does sound dull, Patty. You're probably right. Yeah, but but the thing is, if we were Ipswich fans, we could call ourselves Tractor Boys. <laughs> and there's probably nothing more Midwest American than calling yourself a Tractor Boy. And so, so that is the one thing I think we missed out on in choosing our championship team or our favorite English football team is that we didn't choose the Tractor Boys. And they Tractor have Boys. been in the championship since 2002. So 16 wow. years. It is yeah. kind of amazing. I just want to – so here's the – if you want to be like incredibly bored – Here's a list of <laughs> here's a list of their managers. That was a pregnant pause. Since 2002, yes. since this is they've only had, weirdly enough they've only had six managers in their 17 years in the championship. But it's uh, Joe Royal, Jim Magilton, Roy Keane, Paul Jewell, Mick McCarthy, Paul Hurst. I mean, other uh, than I mean, other than Roy Keane, where they must have flirted with danger for a season there, I imagine. I mean, Jim Magilton, ex-Wednesday midfielder, boring. Uh, Joe Royal, boring. Uh, Paul Hurst, boring. Mick McCarthy, boring. Who was the other one before Mick McCarthy? Paul Jewell. Paul, <laughs> Paul Jewell. No neck. Here's oh, the uh, interesting one. The win percentage of those managers, 37.8, Oh, <laughs> Just kill me now. No wonder they're tractor boys. It's way more interesting being a tractor than watching ship switch town. Oh, okay, I guess so. <laughs> not not all of us know <laughs> the joys of of life near a tractor, Evan. You tell well, us it. You tell us a higher boy. Is it um, much more fun yeah. being on a tractor than watching it switch town? Yeah, definitely. Uh, being on a tractor is <laughs> quite entertaining. Um, spend a lot of. Uh, in Ohio, at least, spend a lot of early mornings, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., uh, on the tractor, out in the cornfield, uh, usually a glass of lemonade uh, or something of, of the like, and um, just chugging along on our big green tractors. Um, it goes slower. You can make it go faster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so. Is a song here I've missed? No. Uh-uh. There's like 700 country songs about riding a tractor, I'm pretty sure, so. Did you guys have like in, in playgrounds as a kid, like in, in uh, pub play, well, in pub beer gardens in England, right? This thing was. Did I play option. in a beer garden as a child? Is that what you're asking me? <laughs> no. so you I have a reputation of a bit of a drunkard, Patty. But does this does this happen uh, in Ohio, Evan? Uh, in like the in Yorkshire, a cheap playground attraction for a pub beer garden to have, or just an old tractor that you could play on. I, I I remember these so clearly. No, we, we never had. No, I can't remember any any tractors. We actually like some of the coolest playgrounds are like castles that you get to crawl around in. It's pretty fantastic, but um, no tractors, and that's probably because most kids around here have their own tractor at home <laughs> to play with. The so you don't really need to put one in a playground. Do you like the little Power Wheels tractors? <laughs> mm, yeah, mm, yeah. Yeah, so you get to start those them early. Are sweet. Yeah, those are really, really cool. Um yeah. You guys want to know more about tractors? I mean there's different <laughs> I think different tractor for, brands. As soon as Jeff um, said he hasn't prepared for this segment, we just kinda of build the tractors at all. Yeah, talk yeah, about it's Ipswich, you talk about tractors. Tractors, John Deere obviously is a big one. 
Um, but we do. Jeff, 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 Thank you. save yes. us, please. We have two Come games at home against struggling championship sides. Like, this is where, if it's going to turn around, it has to turn around, right, Patty? If we um, don't win the next two home games, then it's going to be uh, a tough, tough time for uh, for Yoss, I'm afraid. Uh, I, I honestly do think that we will win against Ipswich, at least. I think we'll probably draw with Millwall in a very much Boring nil nil, maybe one all draw if we're lucky. Uh, but yeah, I, I I can't see us doing a radical improvement where we just hammer Milo and Ipswich. Uh, I think it'll be a slow burn progress for Yoss. Well, that's almost barely something to look forward to, I guess. As we plow on. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. Come on. That was. Jesus. That was. You know, yeah. I, I just wasn't yeah. expecting it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Patty, you, you want to talk nothing. about the meetups for this week? <laughs> sure. Uh, New Orleans are meeting up for Millwall tomorrow, which is better than New York and Mustard because we are not going to be meeting up tomorrow. Uh, we will be meeting up for the uh, Ipswich game on Saturday at Football Factory. Um, and we have some news to talk about as well around um, Orlando. So um, we have a bar in Orlando called the Harp and Kelt. I almost call it the Carp and Helt, which would not be correct. Um, and they are going to be showing um, Wednesday games that are on ESPN+. Plus. So any game that's on the Sky back home, you'll be able to watch it in the Harp and Kelt Soccer Republic bar. Um, and then there'll be a few Orlando fans that live around that area that will go. And also there's loads of tourists in Orlando. So when, next time you're in Disney World... You can pop into the Harp and Kelt and watch Wednesday. Uh, We're also looking at other bars in big cities too that we want your help with. So if you're in a big city um, and you go to a local soccer bar that you think would show Wednesday games if they were on ESPN+, and even if they're on iFollow, then give us a bell at owlsamericas at gmail.com and we shall reach out to the bar and see if they'll put us on for us. Anything else you want to add, Patrick? <laughs> I'm going to spend my next agenda point. Okay, fine. You the agenda, so... <laughs> and now, finally, the grand opening of the UK Owls America's merch store. Uh, I've been teasing this for the last few weeks now, and I've finally got my finger up my ass to do it. Um, so if you are based in the UK and you want some of our fantastic merch, uh, you've got the New York Owls stuff on there, you've got Owls America stuff on there, there is no beach towels in the UK. I know this is a contentious point. I sold it quite hard last week. That mm. the Teespring store does not have beach towels available for the UK store. Are you so, punishing sorry, the guys. Wednesday week for their uh, yeah disparagement yeah. of your beach towels? Yeah, I actually listened to that. You know, I didn't listen to it after I started a while last week, and they weren't that bad, really, were they? So I'm sorry, no, they but I'm uh, I was pretty defensive about beach towels. If you want a beach towel. And you're in the UK, you have to order it from the American store, unfortunately. Everything else is on the UK store. Go to teespring.com and search for Owls Americas. I will say I have seen the beach towels up close and personal now at Patty's uh, condo and his fancy gated community in Secaucus. And uh, they're quite nice. Although I don't know if they do actually fade after one wash because they did not appear to have been washed yet. I'm I'm sorry, (laughs) fancy gated community in Secaucus? Oh, yes. Oh yeah, we had a meetup. One of the house. We had a New Jersey Owls meetup on Sunday, and it was uh, uh, it it is everything the New Jersey Owls 
could want to be. It was yeah. throwing it down. It was great. It was miserable. We watched Sheffield Wednesday lose to terribly to Brentford, and then we sat by a pool as it rained. And had Wait, incredibly and by, spicy horseradish Bloody Marys. And by throwing it down, you don't mean in the true Jersey sense. There wasn't like a <laughs> fight. <laughs> we weren't throwing it down with the locals. We were just sat and miserable as it rained by a swimming pool. Okay. That is what happened. <laughs> this has been episode 35 of the Owls Americast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion, with an American accent. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. And find and follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our dazed and mumbled line at one 401 307 1867 international rates do apply you can dial it for free using google voice luke is on twitter at the superb owl luke i am reliably informed by the agenda that i'm at supposed to ask you what your favorite local bar is well i'm going to stay on brand and hype the owl farm which is a bar (laughs) about two blocks away from my house uh that unfortunately doesn't show i think any sporting events although they might have a tv i'm not really sure uh, they specialize in pretty, pretty good uh, microbrew. I would say like a, a wide variety of microbrews, small batch beers. Um, and yeah, it's a nice place. Uh, former or not former. Um, other other podcast host, Paul uh, Owen, used to go like go on there a lot. Um, and he and I used to meet up there every once in a while. It's uh, it's a good place. It's also the place where Jamie Midgley, the New Orleans Owl, used to go watch Wednesday in there like 20 years ago uh, and had his shirt on the wall. But it was called something else previously. Harry Bolins, yeah. Yeah, he, he used to yeah. love that place. And he, he made me go, when I first moved to New York, he made me go into that bar and ask them if his shirt was in the back somewhere. And uh, it wasn't. <laughs> yes. thrown it away. Yeah, they, they rebranded about ooh, four or five years ago now. More than that, actually. But it can't be a coincidence that they had a Sheffield Wednesday shirt and then when they rebranded that it was open, it was the Owl Farm. I, I will go and find the owner and ask him. He's a friend of a friend. I should actually like track him down and find out. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, what is your favorite local watering hole? Um, this is pretty easy for me. It's your basement. There's only one <laughs> local bar here. So uh, it's called Luke's Bar and Grill. It's wonderful. Um, my wife worked there over over the summer. Um, just stopped because school started. But yeah, great beer selections. Um, fantastic scotch eggs. They have great Asiago cheese dip with either breadsticks or ciabatta bread. Mm, fantastic. Great burger selection. Known for their pizza. Oh, my gosh. You cannot go wrong. If you were ever in Bluffton, Ohio for any weird-ass <laughs> reason, go to Luke's Bar and Grill. I guarantee you will anyway because it's the only place to go. <laughs> <laughs> I should say that none of these are paid endorsements. 
we make no money but off we, this but at we all. are open to such such if such contracts patty is on twitter at patty a jones and at new york owls patty i suspect i know the answer to this but what is your favorite local bar Wait, oh, you mean the pool bar? No, yeah. I'm going to say one in New York. Um, my favorite bar that's not football showing, obviously my favorite bar overall is Football Factory. But one that doesn't show football is Blue Ruin, which is a fantastic dive bar in Midtown, which is everything you want to dive bar. It's got a good jukebox, it's got cheap beer, and it's got a pool table that's fallen to pieces. Do it still exist? I was it does. It's amazing. Dive bars in New York City. Fascinating. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and I was worried I'd be stretching the definition of local bar since it's about 20 minutes from my house, but in suburban Connecticut, that counts as local, and Patty picked one literally in a different state from where he lives. <laughs> so mine is a Little River Restoratives in downtown Hartford, which also does not show sports, does not have a TV of any kind, really, but does have an incredibly uh, high-end cocktail program. My current favorite's drink that they have on the menu is the chokehold which is equal parts uh laird's bonded apple brandy chinar 70 and beer not beer beer it's kind of like vermouth Burr. so it's a negroni rip it's all equal parts it's excellent what is it called Burr. beer b-i-y-r-r-h look it up on wikipedia like, like, patty and like we'll Murph. see you back here next week <laughs> <laughs>